Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Tonight we're going to talk about overcoming temptation. Everybody deals with temptation. Temptations will come. This is something that we will all always have to deal with. There's always going to be those that from the outside looking in, it always seems like, you know, it's so easy for them to just resist, to just overcome. And then there's those that are constantly like, I try so hard, I try so hard, but I can't. But the truth is, it's the same for everybody. You've just got to break that mind frame of it's so difficult and I'm going to give in and stand and put your foot down and come to a place where you're determined to actually put forth the effort to resist the temptation. But there are biblical principles um, that kind of give you instruction to make it a little bit easier on how to to overcome the draw of temptations. Temptations will surely come, but you don't have to succumb. It can always be overcome. There are several biblical instructions given on how to handle temptation. These instructions fall into two different categories. One, how to avoid temptation altogether. And two, how to get away from temptation once you find yourself in the midst of it. So when you look through the Bible, you can, you can do a search for, the, for temptations. And every story or every instruction or every situation is going to come into those two categories. Either how to completely and totally avoid it altogether, which is the easier way. Or once you find yourself in it, how to get out of it. Because we want to limit how much temptation we find ourselves in. So we always want to do what we can to avoid it. But there are going to be circumstances throughout your life where you're going to look up and it's going to be in your face. The devil is going to set those snares and and sometimes you just walk into it before you realize where you are. So there are instructions biblically for both scenarios. Let's start our reading in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1 through 15. And it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Always with the spiritual archetypes. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, in other words, complain, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. 
wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall in other words he's saying all of these things happen to them so that we can look back and see an example because not all of them succumbed to all of the temptations you know there were instances where the ground opened up and swallowed a certain number of them because they had fallen to temptations so there is an example where there is one temptation and some people succumbed and some people didn't but they they were written down and recorded as an example so that we can all look back and see the consequences of giving up and falling for that temptation. And then he comes and he makes a point here at verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now, what this really means is if you think you're too good to fall to temptation, you're going to fall to temptation. If you think you're so strong that you cannot be tempted, that's when you're going to be tempted. That's when the devil's going to come against you. It doesn't matter how strong you are. The devil knows your weaknesses. He knows. And truthfully, it's those that are humble, that are truly always seeking out and crying out, oh, Lord, save me, you know, spare me the temptation. Lord, what do I do? Those that are humble enough to seek God for question and instruction that will more easily avoid the temptation than those who think, hey, I got this. I'm good. I'm never going to fall. Continuing. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. All right, this is what Daddy covered with his little story about the uh, the, the starving dog and his, his honey bun, bun. This is one of your main scriptures when it comes to temptation, and if you stand on this scripture, you have to always remember don't let the devil put you in a position where you think there is no way that I can withstand this temptation. Everybody does it. It's just the way that it is. Nobody can can withstand this kind of thing. I just have to succumb to it. Because the devil will tell you that so many times. You can't do it. You can't do it. The Bible is very clear that you can. And if you stop and seek God, he will always provide a way out. Just like Daddy's story with his, his honey bun fast where he ended up happened to babysit a bread truck and he got all the free honey buns and he prayed for a way out and God sent a starving dog. God will provide the way out, but sometimes we have to stop and seek and ask him for that way. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also bake a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. He says, run away from it. Run away from idolatry, run away from the temptation. Pray God will give you an out. He will give you an opportunity to escape it, but it's up to you to take it. He's saying, and I'm telling you, when you see that opportunity, flee, run take the opportunity and get away from it. He says, and I'm talking to you as wise men. In other words, I'm hoping you have the sense and I'm trusting that you have the sense to understand what I'm saying and to heed my words because it is a very dire thing. All right. We have to ask God for the way out. Though God doesn't send temptation, he will stand by and wait to see whether we choose to partake of it or choose to seek him for a way out. God is not our tempter. God will not send evil things to us. God will not tempt, but he will test. The devil will constantly send temptation your way. God will wait to see your choices, because remember, we have free will. So 
the way we react to those temptations is our test. It can either become our, our failures or our testimonies. So, you know, don't never think, oh, I can't stand these things that are coming against me. God, why do you allow it? We have a free will. We can choose to walk away. We can choose to ask him for the way out. We don't have to stand in that place of torment and temptation. When you find yourself in the midst of temptation, he will always provide you with an escape, but you must choose to take it. He will not force your hand. Those Israelites that chose to partake of the fruit of temptation were destroyed without making it to the promised land that God had prepared and preordained for them. Choosing to give in to temptation may seem pleasurable for a moment, but it will rob you of the promises and plans God has for you and for your future. When facing temptation, take a minute to stop and ask God, Where is my out? Lord, I am tempted. Give me a way out. He will surely give you one, but it is up to you to take it. All right, let's look at Luke chapter 22, verse 40. This is going to give us an example of avoiding temptation altogether because ultimately avoiding it is much easier than having to um, fight it once you're there. So Luke 22:40 tells us, And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray ye, enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Of course, this is Jesus praying about the, uh, the crucifixion. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. He was giving them instruction on how to avoid being tempted because he knew the enemy was laying a whole lot of traps. So he was telling them, you need to be praying. You need to be pressing in. You need to be talking to God right now because you need to know how to avoid these traps that are being laid. If you want to avoid temptation, talk to God daily. He will tell you the traps that the enemy's laying. And if you can sidestep those traps and not fall in them, it's a lot easier because you don't have to face the temptation head on. Christ was telling his disciples time and time and time and time again, pray, 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 unless you fall into temptation. In other words, you need to pray or you're going to step in the trap. There's dangers being set. There's dangers everywhere. So we need to constantly be in prayer. And when we're constantly in prayer on a daily basis, we need to ask God, what are the temptations that the enemy is sending me? What are the traps that he's setting before me? What do I need to know? You don't even have to ask. Truthfully, if you're talking to him every day, He's going to tell you those things. He's going to send you dreams. He's going to give you words. He's going to give you that reminder. Sometimes we just need to hear the same thing every day. You know, we've all got that friend that we, we complain to, and we already know the answers that they're going to tell us because we would tell ourselves, but we just need to hear it again and again and again and again. You know, they might tell us every time, you know, every day, you need to leave that boy alone. And we know that, you know, you need to leave that, that person or that situation alone. And we know that, but we complain to them because we know they'll tell us and we know that we need to be reminded. It's the same thing with God. It doesn't matter if he gives you the same message every single day for a year. If that's what it takes to remind you to stick with it, then that's what you need. You know, when I'm fasting, when I'm on a long period fast, you know, like 21 days, 40 days or whatever, 
I have to make it a point every morning and every night to spend time in prayer because that's kind of the point of the fast, but also to have that time for God to remind me of the fast. Because if not, I won't make it the full time. I'm going to slip up somewhere in there. But I notice that if I'm faithful to spend that time every day, even if he's going to tell me every day, hold true to the fast, hold true to the fast, then that's enough to keep me reminded that there is a purpose to this, and it'll keep me on course. It's the same thing, and that is a temptation. That's one of the reasons for the power of a fast is because you're facing and avoiding and overcoming and resisting temptation. I would say uh, what you were talking about. There's an old saying that goes when it, like when it comes to dog fights, the dog that's going to win is the one that's fed the most. And that's no different than our spiritual walk with God in this darkened, sinful world. The one that's going to endure to the end is the one that's fed the most. And I'll give you a little uh, kind of funny example that uh, this morning I drove the Prius for the first time in a while. I've been shot for repair because someone hit, hit the rear end while it was parked and I saw it like just hit a day or two later. Long story short, I've been driving the Prius and uh, I, I put on the radio like I do every morning, listen to K-Love and give a little news announcements and sing my little Toby Mac or whatever and start my little, my day. <clears throat> the little praise songs and stuff. Antenna was missing. And uh, so the antenna went on, on, the, on the thing, so I had no radio, everything was static. And I was like, oh, oh well. And I was like, oh, I think it's time to pray. <laughs> like it just dawned on me, I'm like, this is God telling me. I, 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 there's time for Caleb, but there's time for his way. And uh, so, yes, Lord. So I started praying, and I prayed the whole way to work. And I was like, man, that's so good. And uh, it's, I'm saying that to say that there, there, you don't even realize how little time is being spent. None of us do. But when I had my little part, but now that I don't have my routine, it's like, what do I do? Duh. Let's pray. Right. right. So, on the way here, on the way up here, I was trying to find a song on my phone and plug in my aux cable. My really, for some reason, that thing would not play through that aux really cable. I'm like, why won't this thing? So I tried a few times to plug it. It played through the phone fine, but I wanted to plug through the speaker in the truck. Right. I turned it off and, like I said, I prayed. Amen. Same thing today? <laughs> yeah. On the way to here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and that ties back to, to what you started with the, the, the dog fight scenario. It's, it was actually an old Indian saying that there's two wolves inside every person. One was hate and one is love, and they're always fighting. But the one that wins is the one you feed the most. But to tie it into what you're saying is it's the same thing with your spirit and your flesh. The one you feed is the one that's going to overcome. If you're feeding your spirit, then your spirit's going to come out victorious in these spiritual battles. If you're feeding your flesh, then the flesh is going to come out victorious. So what you put in your body, what you put in your mind, what you put in your eye gates and your ear gates. So you want to feed your spirit. If you can feed your spirit, it will be stronger when you come into these kinds of battles and situations. And you feed your spirit by talking to God. The easiest way to deal with temptation is to avoid it altogether. But this takes vigilance. The enemy will set many snares for you because he knows it is harder to resist temptation than to simply avoid it. But I'm telling you, God is more than happy to tattle on the enemy's plans. He is always trying to warn us of the snares being set for us. We just don't often enough take the time to listen to what he's trying to tell us. So take time to seek God. Spend time with him daily. Pray and listen. Let him fill your spirit 
and speak into your life and your walk will be much smoother as you learn to receive his instruction and simply step around the snares. Now, one of the easiest ways to um, combat a persistent uh, temptation is with accountability. Accountability can help you to avoid it or it can help you to step away from it once you're facing it. Um, one good way to avoid the desire to give in to temptation is not only to remove yourself from the people, places, and situations that tempt you, but also to surround yourself with good, trusted Christian friends for support, counsel, agreement in prayer, and most of all, accountability. There is strength in numbers, and the devil knows it. That's why he hunts like a roaring lion, always trying to divide and conquer. He knows if he can separate you from the flock, then you are easy prey. James 5:16 says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, it doesn't say confess your sins to a priest or confess your sins to your pastor, confess your sins. Now, if you feel led to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. But what the context of the scripture really is, is actually among the brethren. It's me going to, you know, a friend, to, to Mandy, and saying, wow, I'm really struggling with this. God is telling me to, to put this aside, and I'm really having trouble with it. Would you pray with me? Okay, yes, let's go, let's go to war right now. Let's pray. I'm going to pray over you. We're going to break this, this bondage. We're going to break this oppression, whatever it is. This is me confessing my struggles to a friend so that we can work together to overcome this situation because we should always be trying to help each other grow, you know, or if to anybody else, you know, if somebody comes to you and is like, look, there's this person in my life and, you know, I really don't want to be ugly to them, but I'm really feeling like they're, they're dragging me down spiritually, you know, what should I do? Or I'm being attacked. You're praying together. You're using that, that, that agreement, the power of agreement to help to overcome that struggle and that temptation. And it says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's power in prayer. So if there is a continual temptation or struggle or issue, don't be ashamed of it in the manner that you would think, oh, everybody, you know, if you're a Christian, you're absolutely perfect. You know, you're never going to deal with things. And if I tell somebody that I'm struggling with this, then they're going to think that I'm a horrible sinner. If you're trying truthfully to overcome it, and grow from it, then you're still under conviction. And that's what we are all growing. We are all overcoming something. We should constantly be working for the perfection. The Bible says that, you know, patience works for the perfecting of the, thank the saints. The perfecting is an ongoing process. Perfecting is the continual. It's the continual, right. So remember that accountability. Another thing, when you're talking about confessing your faults one to another, be careful. Be careful who that person, who that person is. <laughs> Don't just trust anybody who's in the church because people gossip and it will make it even worse. But if you know that person testing their fruits, they're tried and true, and you know you can trust them, take it and, and work on it in groups because just having that, that accountability, that other person to check up on you, you know, or knowing. For example, I'll take it back to fasting because that's an example of temptation. If I'm on a secret fast, and it's more tempting for me to break that secret fast because nobody knows that I was on it. But if I've told all of you, hey, I'm going on a fast for the next week and you're all watching me, then I'm hold, held accountable by you just knowing that you know 
you know, everybody's going to know if I break this fast. If there's a dinner here tomorrow and I eat, then everybody's going to know that I broke my fast. That holds me accountable because I have confessed to you. I'm having a struggle, a temptation right now with food because I am on a fast. So if I break that, if I succumb to that temptation, everybody knows it. Oh, that makes me want to be more stern in, in walking through with it. So, you know, the same thing. Right. No, if God calls you to a secret fast, that's different. But I'm just using that as an example to illustrate. And and if a friend, somebody truly trusted, that's truly fasting and praying for you and, and, and trying to help you, they know you're struggling with something, they know there's a temptation, God's going to use them to encourage you and to constantly text you or write you or call you and be like, hey, you know, are you are you doing good? You know, are you, have you fallen off the bandwagon yet? Are you know, are you still staying away from that person? Are you still doing what you're supposed to do? Are you so still accountability partners? Right. Yeah. So it's it's strong. It helps for the purpose of having strength and agreement in prayer, but also for the sake of of just accountability. It's to make you more likely to stick it out. All right. Continuing on in the same chapter, verse seventeen. Elijah was a human being. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Everyone is tempted, but not everyone gives into it. Everybody, the uh, uh, the, the term that we hear so much, everybody's doing it, um, is a lie straight from the devil's mouth. If you want to do great exploits for God, then determined to be a man or woman of integrity. Continually resist the devil's petty plots and you will be used mightily of God. We all know that we can trust God. It's us that has to prove that he can trust us. And the only way to do that is to overcome temptations. James made it a point to let people know that you know you don't have to be a superhero to be able to, to do these things. He said, you know, Elijah was a human being. He was not divine. He was not a superhero. He was a regular man just like you and me. And he, he clearly says that even as we are, he was just like you and me. Yet he prayed earnestly, and it didn't rain for years. And then he prayed again, and it did rain. You know, he's like, look at the power that was in this man. And he tells them this right after telling them how to, to overcome, you know, temptations and these things. He's, he was telling them, Everybody has the ability to do it. Just because some people do it and some people resist temptation and some people don't doesn't mean that some people can't. Everybody can and everybody can be used of God. You've just got to determine to be that person of integrity and make a decision not to do it. And when you earnestly press in and pray and seek God and determine to be that person, God will use you mightily because it's all about proving that he can trust us. If he, we want him to use us as a something that represents him and his power, he's really, really, really got to trust us. So sometimes he's going to step aside and let those temptations come just so he can see how we're going to handle it. Because think of the temptations that come against you as a nobody. Now imagine how much greater the devil's going to send temptations against you once you're that man shutting up the heavens from rain. You know, that everybody's looking at. When you're doing great exploits for God and being used mightily of God, the devil is going to want to trip you up. He's going to send major temptations. And so sometimes God's got to step aside and look at the, let you face those little temptations. So he doesn't send them. Sometimes he steps aside and lets you, you strengthen yourself. You know, it's like you're a soldier being prepared for a battle and the enemy is sending, you know, troops after you. You know, and your, your general 
standing behind you and he's watching how you're going to handle these things. Can I put this person in charge of my armies? Can I put, can I give them elevation and rank? Let me see how they handle this situation. Let me see how they handle the enemy. Let me see how easily they're overcome or how long they resist. The thing I find with young people the most is that the devil has them convinced that they can't fight it. From the TV, the, the movies, the shows, the music, the game, they're being told everybody does it. This is how it is. This is how you're made. This is how you were born. Yeah, this is how you were born. Right. So nobody's putting forth the effort to resist the temptation. So when the devil tells them, hey, you know, you can't fight it, they believe it. Now, once you come to, you know, a place of maturity, you start to realize that's, you know, a bunch of lies. So it's a little easier for you to to say, you know, get you behind me, Satan. You're the father of lies. I don't believe you. I know I can overcome this through Christ. All things are possible. You know, who strengthens me and all that stuff. Creatures are preaching that it's all right. That's a big problem. That's the major problem. You don't have a whole lot of preaching. Right. Very few. Justification is the most dangerous thing when it comes to making sin difficult. You look at somebody who was a drug addict and an alcoholic, and they'll always tell you the drugs were easier to get over than the alcohol. Why? Because there's a social acceptance of the alcohol. They are told it's okay. It's easy to get. It's right there. It's everywhere. It's not that dangerous of a thing. It's, so the alcohol has a stronger hold on a lot of them than the actual street drugs that they were able to let go but couldn't let go of the alcohol because they're justifying it by saying, you know, it's okay. The world says it's okay, so it's okay. Same thing with a lot of the um, the prescription medications that we know people are abusing and, and are not good for them, some of the psychotropics. You know, hey, a doctor said it's okay, I need it. Even if they really didn't need it, there's a justification that makes them hold on to it more than they would if it was a street drug made of the exact same thing. All right, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. This kind of stays um, in the realm of accountability and receiving correction. You want to receive correction. You want to have people around you that will hold you accountable. You don't want to make it easy for the enemy, who is like a roaring lion trying to separate you from the flock so that he can easily take you out. When you are around people that will help to protect you and fight for you and hold you accountable, um, it's a lot easier. And even if they have to rebuke you and tell you, don't go to that place or stay away from that person or what are you doing, that's still better than somebody who's just going to sugarcoat and lie to you and tell you, hey, whatever makes you feel good, you know, whatever's good, because they'll send your soul to hell. They don't really love you. They don't care. That person who's, even though you don't want to hear it in the moment, telling you, don't do that. Don't go there. You got to speak the truth. You speak it in love, but you, you don't twist it so much that it's give them the justification for excusing it. It truly boils down to the intent of your heart. If you're speaking out of arrogance or, or, you know, just in a, a sense of being negative or haughty or holier than thou, then that's one thing. But we can't allow the world to convince us to come to a place where we won't speak God's truth in love because we're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings for 10 minutes, but yet their soul is going to burn in eternity in hell. You know, because they didn't hear the truth. Truth does not equate to hate. Truth is love. And truth hurts. That's what I was actually going to say when I got to it. I said, well, truth is love. And then I thought no one was going to say something else. But yeah, truth hurts. But truth will always set you free. It will set you free. It reminds me of a, a, the time I've told y'all before about when we were doing worship in the park. 
and the um, the the guy struggling with homosexuality. Well, he was he was openly gay. The time come up for you know to kind of talk with us and stuff, and and God kept telling me to go pray for him, and I didn't at first because he didn't ask for it, you know. But then you know after God telling me to go, and then one of the elderly ladies was like, maybe you should pray for him. I was like, well, there's my confirmation. I guess I need to go pray for him, and. All the other young people were, were kind of patting him on the back and fluffing up his sin and just, you know, letting him know that everything was okay. It's all in love. And, oh, those people are so horrible for telling you that you're wrong. You know, you just, you know, you're just made like that and all this and the other. And so when it finally came down to it, I just walked up to him and I put my hands on his, his arms and I started praying. And when I started praying, it started basically as a deliverance, you know, as, as we're taking authority over these spirits and rebuking. And you could, everybody went silent and their draw, you know, their mouth dropped, their jaws opened up and you could feel the, uh, the, the tension on them. They're like, oh my God, she's going to offend him. He, you know, she, he's going to think that she's saying he's like that because he's possessed. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The, everybody was just in shock and, and didn't want to have to deal with the reality of what was going on. But as soon as the prayer started and the word started coming forth talking about, you know, his childhood and his life and so forth, he threw everything that he had on the ground and like his phone exploded. Like he threw everything so hard, you know, and just started bawling and crying and breaking and sweat and fell down and went through a complete and total deliverance, stood up a whole different person, demeanor changed, voice changed, you know, speech changed and thanked me afterwards. He said, I've been trying so hard. I wanted this going. I wanted to deal with this, but I didn't know how to fight it. I didn't know the words to pray, but what came out of your mouth was the words in my heart. Thank you so much for, for the prayer. He, you know, he told me that he wanted, he was going to leave, but God told him to wait. And then when he stood up, I was there to pray for him. But he would not have gotten what he was seeking had it not just been a straightforward in love obedience. The devil twisted their love and compassion to actually hurt him because they were afraid to do what he wanted done, what he needed to have to have that freedom and that release. You know, by the end of the night, he's like, you know, I'm going to find my dad. I'm going, you know, back home who his dad apparently was a minister that he hadn't spoken to in many years and, and you know, reconciled all these relationships and all this stuff. But you have to have a heart of love that wants to actually do, first of all, love for God that is willing to be obedient and a love enough for people to want what's best for them, not what the world says is best for them. And to not have to be so afraid of, of rejection or what people will think of you or what the world tells you is right or wrong. You just got to walk out in faith. It says, open rebuke is better than secret love, faithful or the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That's exactly what that situation was. Even though it may have seemed like a wound to, to pray the prayer that I prayed, it was the wounded by a, being wounded by a friend, somebody who actually cared about you, was actually helping him. You know, a scalpel can wound you, but it's also healing you. You know, sometimes those cuts are healing. But the kisses of uh, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. They were kissing him with deceit. By saying the things they were saying and encouraging and fluffing and candy coating what, saying what they knew he wanted to hear, or what they thought he wanted to hear, what the world had told them he wanted to hear. It was just deceit. What it boils down to is you're either listening to the lies of the enemy or you're standing in authority. And that's what this temptation lesson comes to. You're either going to listen to the lies of the enemy and just constantly let him whip on you and succumb to the temptations, or you're going to stand in authority and, and take authority over the situations and the devil in your life and rebuke it and deal with it. 
Proverbs 27, same chapter 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend, which falls into what y'all were just uh, talking about. But again, it goes back into accountability, praying, strength in numbers, all of these things. But uh, a man, uh, iron sharpeneth iron. So counsel with friends, people you trust when you're dealing with these struggles. It will help. Prize blunt truth. Again, we come back to strength and numbers and accountability. If you want to grow spiritually, it is a requirement that you will be willing to receive correction, counsel, and even at times rebuke. It is better that a friend tell you that you are playing with fire out of the goodness of their heart to warn you than for a puppet of the enemy to encourage you with soft words to get burned. Hebrews uh, 10:23 through 25 tells us, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see that day approaching. If you have to change your surroundings, but you want to surround yourself with good, godly people that are going to help you. If there are people around you that are that are making things worse, then get away from them. Change it. We see that it is very important to yoke up with spiritually strong people if we wish to be spiritually strong ourselves. Uh, but everything they sow into our lives is made to no effect if we do not remove ourselves from those that tempt us and work to pull us down and weaken us spiritually. So going up, you know, tying it all back into the, being around people that help to hold you accountable, that help to pray with you. All of that is, is good and dandy, but it really comes to, to nothing if we're still surrounding us ourselves with the people and the places and the situations that are pulling us down and tempting us. Um, 2 Corinthians six fourteen says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communication hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Baal? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, for I will receive you, and will be your father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty God. To put it uh, quite simply, if you don't want to get dirty, don't play in the mud. I don't care how clean you are, if you keep going back to the pig pen, you're going to get dirty. Again, Second Peter 2.22, you can look it up, gives you the analogy um, of the, the pig that you wash all nice and clean, and then you let it go, and it runs right back into the pig pen and gets all dirty again. I don't care how strong you are or how clean you think you've gotten. If you go back to the pig pen, you're going to get dirty again. And the analogy, uh, biblically, pigs always represented sinners. You know, if you, you look at the um, the story of the prodigal son, you know, he trusted in his, his partying, drinking friends, and he ended up eating in the pig pen. He ended up with the pigs. 
it's considered an unclean, an unclean animal. Um, you know, the, the Bible says, don't th- cast your pearls before swine, lest they be trodden underfoot. And it's talking about, you know, if a person refuses to receive, you know, the things you're telling them, the encouragement, the counsel, the gospel, and they're just trampling the, the words of wisdom you're giving them, then the Bible calls them swine and says, walk away. So if there are people in your life that you know are dirtying you with sin and temptation, you've got to get away from them. You pray for them. You do what you can to intercede for them. If God gives you a word here or there, you know, you can shoot them a text or whatever it is that if it's being, you know, strongly put on you to to do so, but on a regular basis, you know, it's not to say that we're being haughty or, you know, shunning people. You don't. You love people and you're there for them when they need you. But you can't be with them on a regular basis. You can't party in the pig pen. You can't live in the the mire and, and expect to stay white. You've got to separate yourself from that on a regular basis. The world used to say, you are who you hang with. Right. Yeah. He used to say, don't oh, be a boy. I'm not going to be a cop stuff. I don't know why. You are who you hang with. Well, just friends, Mama. Mm-hmm. Just friends. I don't do none of that kind of stuff. Friendship with the world is enmity with. What she was really saying is 1 Corinthians 15 which says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Some translations say good morals. All right, so let's go back for a moment and assume we failed to avoid the situation of temptation and it caught us by surprise. What then? The same instructions as before. Resist and pray. All right, so a lot of what we've been covering are ways to just avoid the temptation altogether. You want to avoid it? Don't hang out with the the bad peoples. Don't go to the bad places. Stay away from the bad situations. If you have, you know, something that is like Danny would say, if the internet is a problem for you, cut it off. If the phone is a problem, disconnect it. Whatever the temptation is, do what you have to do to absolutely avoid it in the first place. Don't put the honey buns in the cabinet. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. But let's say something happened and it caught you completely and totally unaware and now you're facing temptation and you don't know what to do. James 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. That kind of ties back to the the verse in the first passage that we read that said, if you think you're so strong and high and mighty that you'll never fall to temptation, that's when you're going to fall to it. It says that God gives more grace to the humble. And he resisteth the proud. If you humbly are really breaking and crying before God and asking for help, he's going to help you. If you are humbly coming before him and saying, hey, give me a way out, show me the way out, he's going to give it. The best way you can tap into God's favor and power is humility. Yeah. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So if you find yourself in a situation where you just look up and temptation is in your face and you're like, oh my God, 
I don't know how I got here, or maybe I do know how I got here, but I'm sorry and I want out of it. Help me, give me a way out. He says, be humble. Don't be so proud that you think, hey, I can go hang out with those friends and not drink. I'm strong enough to be able to withstand this. Find yourself in a position where you're like, oh my gosh, God, I need you. You have to humble yourself and seek him and he will give you a way out. He will break that temptation. He will break the enemy, but you have to resist. He says, if you resist the enemy, he will flee from you. Resisting and submit to God. Right. Now, resisting is an ongoing thing. You resist once, he may flee, but usually not. But if you consistently resist, it will stop. He's not going to waste his resources. The devil doesn't waste his time, but it's fun when we get to waste it for him. Let him know that when he's sending these temptations toward you, he is wasting his time. Keep resisting. The enemy can be persistent. You have to be more persistent. You know you can be stubborn for fleshly reasons, but can you be stubborn for God? If you give in, the devil will keep sending that temptation at you over and over and over. He will stick with what works. But if you put your foot down and get stubborn for God, he will eventually stop wasting his limited resources and move on. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The devil is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He is not God. He is nowhere near God. He has limited resources. He won't He won't waste his resources. He will keep doing it if it works. If you give in to that temptation, you better believe he's going to hammer you with it. But if you resist the devil, he might try it a few more times. But if you consistently resist, he's going to move on to something else or somebody else because he's not going to keep wasting those resources once you've determined and made him know that it's not going to work. And furthermore, I always find it a good tactic to turn it around on him, cause it to drive you to God. If there's an issue, then he'll definitely stop. You know, kind of like the guy that tried to quit smoking, so he put a little pocket Bible in his pocket where he used to keep his cigarettes, and every time he'd get a craving, he'd read a scripture. And so he said, well, eventually the devil's going to stop sending me these cravings because I know he don't want me to read the Bible. And it's it's kind of the same thing. When the devil is attacking you or sending temptations or causing these issues in your life, if you will turn around and praise God and fall on your knees and spend that time with God, use it as a reminder to draw close to God, he's going to stop doing it because he definitely doesn't want to drive you into God's arms. He wants to drive you away from it. So he'll send temptations to make you feel so guilty that you won't want to go to God. Or he'll try to overburden you with worries and problems to where you don't feel like you have the time or the energy to pursue God. But if you turn that around on him and use it to run to God, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you, then he'll stop doing it, I promise. Hey, Matthew, a good example. I'm going to give you all a good example of what I'm telling you. Matthew 4, verse 1. You can't do a study on temptation without reading of Jesus' temptation. And it's a perfect example of this resist the devil. Starting at verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
and when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So that's one temptation. Jesus didn't argue. He didn't do anything. He just stood on the word of God. So when the devil is coming against you, when he's trying to stir up debate, strife, all these issues, don't have a conversation with the devil. Don't argue with the devil. Jesus stood on the word. He's like, nope, you're a liar because this is what the Bible says. That's it. Moving on. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dasheth thy foot against a stone. So that's twice. Now Jesus resisted the first time. He did what the scripture said, and the devil came back again. But he resisted again. He stood fast. So this is the second time he's come to tempt him. All right. And Jesus said unto him, It is written, again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He just repeated, uh, I'm, I'm standing on the word of God. I'm believing the scriptures. This is what it says. I don't know how many times I'm going to have to repeat it, but it is what it is. I'm standing in faith. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said, saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So it took three times. He resisted. The devil came back again, tempted him again. He resisted. Came back, tempted him again. He resisted. Came back, tempted him again. He resisted. The devil said, I'm wasting my time. He gave up and he left. It, time, though, he came back more. Stronger, stronger, stronger. That if you stand fast, you will overcome. You have to resist. You have to stand true. You have to determine to believe God, believe the word of God. And no matter what the devil tells you, and you're right, every single time he came back with something. I mean, he went from bread to the world. So... I'm telling you, be persistent. It might take a few times, and like Missy has pointed out, it might even get worse for a little bit, but if you keep resisting, he will give up and leave because he's not going to continue to waste his resources. If there's no person that has ever walked the face of the earth that you know the devil had more reason to continue to be more persistent with than Christ. So if, if his resistance caused him to eventually give up and leave, yours can too. But... It's not all bad. So what if I told you that temptation could be seen as a good thing? When a person gives in to temptation, it is always destructive. However, when we are faced with trials and temptations and we resist or overcome them, we prove our loyalty to God and gain a greater measure of his trust. Standing true in the face of temptation will always bring spiritual elevation and acceleration. In other words, growth, favor, power, and anointing. In summary, James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, you can skip everything that we read and just read this chapter and gain a good understanding 
of temptation in a nutshell and how to deal with it. Um, James is probably the shortest, if not one of the shortest books in the Bible, and it's one of my favorite. He was very straightforward. He just told you like it was, and he gave you a lot of meat, spiritually speaking. So James 1, starting in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give to all men liberally, and unbridleth not, and it shall be given." So he's saying, you know what, it's a good thing when you face temptation as long as you resist it and come out on top because it's going to help you to grow spiritually. He says, and if, you have, if you're lacking wisdom, if you don't know what to do, if you need, take the time and ask God, which is what we've read in all these others. Stop, seek God, and talk to God. Ask him for, for counsel, guidance, for a ways out, whatever you need. If you're lacking wisdom, ask God and he will give it. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. In other words, don't go back and forth and play with the temptation. Ask God in faith and stand on what he tells you. Why? Because just like Christ, the devil may come back again a little stronger to tempt that faith. You've got to stand on the word of God. You've got to stand on what he tells you, and eventually you will overcome it. Do not waver. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. And again, we come back to that same thing that we've seen over and over when dealing with temptation, that the humble are exalted, and those that think highly of themselves and think that they won't fall are the ones that truly will. You've got to be humble and seek God and receive Receive his counsel, receive his instruction, receive correction from God or from the people that he sends, and it will you'll be able to, to deal with these things. Be humble. Let the brother of low degree re- rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he may, is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it wherewithin withereth the grass, and the flower thereof faileth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. So rejoice when temptations do come, even though you really should do everything you can to avoid them. Don't welcome temptations. But when you find yourself in a situation... Know that if you overcome this, you're going to be blessed. So take the opportunity to receive the spiritual elevation. You get your level up. You know, it's like a video game. You face the boss and you win. You get your level up. You know, take the opportunity to to get that spiritual growth. Your temptation being the devil is tempting you. Remember, and we've always said that God is testing. It's no different than if you're in college earning a degree, you have your big exam, and it comes back with a big A plus circle, stamp smiley face. I like that. You know, if there's that that feeling of accomplishment, knowing that I just gave the devil a huge black eye, and it makes you want to go. Like I said earlier, take joy in knowing that you wasted the devil's time. Yeah. He put forth his limited resources, and it came to nothing. 
That's got to be a good feeling. Devil as Wiley Coyote, and I'm the real one. I'm making backfire every time. <laughs> Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. So don't say that God is tempting you. God will not send evil upon you. The enemy will send temptation to you. But God will allow you to, to choose whether or not you're going to succumb to that. Right. And he will stand there and test and grade you on it pretty much. Right. You know. God is not sending the temptation. He's right. not causing it right. to happen, but he is watching yes. how you handle it. Right. He tempted, uh, neither does he tempteth any man. Amen. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. This is a very interesting verse. Temptation is not a sin. Everybody is tempted. When temptation comes, you are not sinning. But once you succumb to that temptation you have committed a sin. So when that temptation comes, if you take the, the, the ground and resist it, then you will get a spiritual elevation. But if you succumb to it, then you will commit sin. It says, when the lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So you have the temptation that comes, the thought or the situation or the circumstance. That in itself is not a sin to you. But when you conceive it, when you let it enter into your spirit and you decide to act upon it, when you make the decision to act upon it, that is the sin. And then when you do the act of acting upon it, that brings death. All right. So in a nutshell, summary, the overview, how to overcome sin. From everything we've read, it all boils down to this. Do everything you can to avoid the snares that you can see. So the ones that you can see, do everything you can to avoid them. Do what you can to avoid temptations, the situations, the people, the circumstances, the places. Do everything that you can to avoid the snares that you can see being laid before you. And pray every day. Pray every day. Pray, pray, pray. This was a recurring theme. Pray, pray, pray. So God can warn you of the ones that you don't see being laid. When you do find yourself facing temptation head on, Stop it right there. Though temptation is not a sin, acting on it is. Resist it, rebuke it, turn away from it, then give your thoughts and time to God and you will overcome. Be humble, seek God, pray, get counsel, get friends to help you, be accountable. It's so important, but count it all joy when you face these temptations that you have an opportunity to excel. You have an opportunity to prove your loyalty to God, to gain a greater measure of his trust, to act in faith. So in the, in the end, facing temptations is not a bad thing unless you have done something to put yourself in that situation. But being there and being able to overcome those temptations is going to be something that God can use to build your strength, to build your faith, to build your, your, your connection to God. He will use it if you let him. So 
If you're facing temptations, when you come to those places where you face those temptations, just take the minute to stop, pray, ask God for your out, and let him see that he can trust you. Because if he'll be able to trust you in the little things, he'll set you in a position to be able to receive bigger things. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.